If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me the 22nd chapter of 1 Samuel. And as you're finding that, I, uh, I'm going to be reading some other verses to you this morning because uh, I don't know if I have ever prayed for a sermon more than I have this one. And uh, the reason is, is because it is very personal. It is very uh, much the Lord speaking uh, to each individual one of us and the decisions that we make. And I really do feel that some people today will hear that warning from God and will repent and get things right with God and experience a refreshing from the Lord. But I also believe that there are some people in, in this building today that are going to harden their hearts. And uh, God will let you harden your heart. And uh, so I have prayed and prayed and prayed. But I want everything that is said this morning to be overwhelmingly, this is what the Bible says. I do not want you to be able to leave here and say, well, Jake's opinion really upset me. Jake thinks this way. And so this morning I want to show you what the Bible says about the sermon and then explain our text from this morning. But I want to read a card to you this morning before we begin. Dear Ten Mile Family, we would like to send a big thank you for the prayers, the get well cards, the well wishes, and the extension of a helping hand during my recent surgery and recovery. We are so thankful and blessed to have such a wonderful, caring, and supportive church family. We appreciate each and every one of you. And that is from TR and Alicia. And we're thankful that he is up and running again after his surgery. And so this morning I want to talk to you about when life seems to spin out of control. <clears throat> there are usually two extremes when you deal with people. The first extreme is that some people are always in a crisis. It doesn't matter what's going on, how it's going on, but everything in their life they make into a crisis. The other extreme of some people is we don't have any problems. We've never had a disagreement in our marriage. We've never had a problem at work. We've, we've never had anything go wrong. And so where some people want attention to themselves for the drama in their life, other people refuse to admit that there are any problems at all. And so this morning I want to show you some things from the Bible so that you and I can start together. And the first one is this, from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And you can write these verses down this morning and study them when you get home. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This word for all here is not a suggestion that this half of the church are sinners and this half is not. It literally means that all people who have ever been born sin. And so this morning you might say, well Jake, I, I know I am a sinner in general. But this morning I want to talk to you about this simple fact. If you are here today and you were saved, you are born again a child of God. When you get alone with God and say these words, Lord, just forgive me of all my sins, that is because you are not willing to let God deal with each specific sin you are struggling with. This morning I want to talk to you, Christian, about this understanding that you and I, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, should be letting God deal with not just the fact that we are generally a sinner, but that we are struggling with specific sins. You say, Jake, how do I know what my specific sins that I'm struggling with? 
when you go to bed and you lay your head on the pillow and begin to pray and begin to look back throughout your day and the Spirit of God reminds you when you lost your temper and swore and said things that weren't uh, the things that a Christian should say, then you can say, Lord, forgive me for losing my temper. Lord, forgive me for my uncontrolled anger. Maybe you looked at something that you shouldn't have looked at and you say, Lord, forgive me for my lust. Lord, forgive me for my pride in that situation. And so this morning, I want you to know that today, if God is really going to work in your life, you have to understand that we all sin. Second thing I want to show you this morning before we get started is that God will forgive. God will forgive. Some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible come from Psalm 103, starting in verse 10. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. This word for pity is not negative. It is that God understands that we are sinners, that we are broken, that we were made from the dirt in his image. And so when you begin to feel that you have no value, you have no worth, how could for God forgive someone like you? He literally says here, as far as the east is from the west, that God is merciful to you. And let's be honest this morning. Church is the one place where we ought to expect sin, but yet know that God's grace and mercy is greater than our sin. But yet I think most of us come to church like this. I can't believe someone did that. I just can't believe that would happen. But yet the Bible says we have what? All sin and fall short of the glory of God. That God's mercy and grace are great toward us. But there's another thing I want to establish this morning before we start this sermon. Is that you cannot love God and ignore your sin. You cannot love God and ignore your sin. Listen to what 1 John chapter 3 says, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Can you go through seasons of life where you ignore your sin? Absolutely. You can go through seasons of life where you say, I don't have a pride problem. Oh, I don't have a pride problem. And then you'll realize very soon that you probably have a pride problem. But you cannot live your entire life and say, you know what, I know my anger is a sin, but, I, but God doesn't care. Well, I, I know my pride is a, is a sin, but God doesn't care. Or I know that unforgiveness is a sin, but you know what, God really understands that I need a few sins. No, you cannot ignore sin and love God. And the last thing I want us to establish before we jump in this morning is this. What are the sins that the Bible talks about? Because that's what some of you are saying. Well, Jake, I just don't view that as a sin. Or my definition of sins might be different than your definition of sins. And so I want to tell you what the Bible says in Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, 
hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such thing will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we looked at all of us have sinned, that God is willing and, and able to forgive, that you cannot ignore your sin, and that truly what sin is. Because today we are looking at what happens to King Saul when finally everything falls around, apart around him. And I don't know if you notice this or not, but if you have ever found yourself in a mess, you probably realize that you got yourself into that mess a long time before you reaped the consequences of it. You probably started, well, you know, where's Jake? Now, Jamie, is he in here again? I've picked on him every sermon. Is he not in here? Okay, I'll have to pick on Larry then. So you're over here. So it starts, I've got unforgiveness toward Larry. Larry and I have a problem. Well, you know what? Janice is sitting by Larry. So they're probably talking bad about me. So now my unforgiveness is not just at Larry, it's at Janice. And you know what? There's probably someone sitting behind him. And so my unforgiveness started with one person, but then it begins to what? Spread. Or a sin in another area of my, which I don't have a problem with any of those people sitting over there, that is an example. Or maybe your anger is an issue, but your anger is only an issue sometimes. And you know what, you know what, God, I'm only going to get angry at people when I drive. Or Lord, I'm only going to get angry at the people that I live with. Or Lord, I'm only going to get angry with the people that I work with. And what happens is it might start with the people that you work with. And then it starts to boil over at home, this uncontrolled anger. And then not only is it it, work, and at home, then it's at church. Because sin spreads. Sin never stays where you want it to. And I've pastored a long time now, and I cannot begin to tell you the amount of times I have sat with someone in my office, or I've been stopped by someone in town, and they've said, Jake, I just can't believe I've got myself into this mess. Jake, I can't believe things are this bad. And the question is not, are they bad at the moment? It is what started you down that path that one day you wake up and realize, I went farther than I wanted to go. It's cost me more than I wanted to pay. And that's the question I want to talk to you about this morning because if you're here today and you are struggling with a sin in your, era, in your life, God is giving you the opportunity to ask for forgiveness, for Him to forgive you. Today, maybe you're sitting in the middle of a mess and it's as bad as it could possibly be. And you're saying, Jake, I can't go back and change the past. But today I want you to hear that God can forgive you in the mess. And so this morning, whether you are slowly going down that path or today you are already there, or maybe you are sitting here thinking that that couldn't happen to me. That couldn't happen in our marriage. That couldn't happen in our church. Look up here. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, hopefully you realize why I've been praying about this so much. Because I don't know if you know this or not. As Baptists, we are extremely good at ignoring it. At explaining it away. But I want to show you that Saul's life came to a dramatic collapse. But it all started months before when he hated one person. When he got jealous of one person. And it began to destroy his entire life. Pray with me and we're going to jump in. 
Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, knowing that I'm a sinner. Lord, that I am saved only because of you. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would be specifically in specifics, Lord, dealing with your people. Lord, that you would not give us this, this idea that we can just generically come to you. No, Lord, that we, we need to come to you specifically. And so, Father, I pray today for that person that's lost, that today would be the day that your conviction would set in and they would realize they need you. But, Lord, I pray especially today for the Christian who is justifying their sin, who is ignoring their sin, who is explaining their sin away. And today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would convict them and convict me that we would get along with you. We would make things right before it's too late. And so, Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you found 1 Samuel chapter 22 and you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sin corrupts everything in our life. Sin corrupts everything in our life. Look here, starting in verse 6 with me, chapter 22. So David has fled. David had stopped by and visited a priest on his way out of town. And he had gotten some food and a sword. And now listen to what happens in verse 6. Saul has heard about this. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards? And make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds. All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me what my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me. Or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me. To lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite who sat over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. I don't want you to miss this because David has surrounded himself with the people who love him the most, who have been there with him the most. And what does he begin to do? None of you are loyal to me. None of you care about me. None of you have warned me. You see, Saul's hatred and jealousy for one person, David, has begun to spread. It had spread to his son Jonathan. It had spread to his daughter. And now this jealousy, this unforgiveness, this sin in Saul's life has brought him to a place where no one is good enough. No one is trustworthy. Everyone is out to get him. And can we be honest this morning? That's how it goes in our life. That's how it goes in our hearts. When sin begins to take root, it might start one area, but then it spreads. Maybe this morning it's discouragement. Maybe you got discouraged at work because something didn't work out the way that you thought it should. Then you go home and your marriage is, is not where you think it should be. and Your kids don't listen the way they should be. And, and you're discouraged and you're beat down. And then your, 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 your fishing buddies, they, they, they have to cancel on you three weeks in a row. And, and you come to this point where, where there's no one that likes me. 
There's no one that's here for me. There's no one in my life. Or maybe it's even deeper than that. Maybe you've been hurt or lied about or betrayed. And it used to be just one person had let you down. And now everyone's let you down. Now the church is no good. Your family's no good. Your work's no good. I've seen it end up like this. Sometimes it starts like this. I'm not happy at home. I'm going to go to work. There's someone of the opposite gender that will listen to me complain about my spouse. It starts with me complaining about my spouse. Then it becomes they're agreeing with me about my spouse. Then it goes from complaining and listening to agreeing with. And then it comes to something else and something else and something else. And then before you realize it and before you understand it, you're in a situation that you never thought you'd be in, doing something that you never thought you would do, and you're left picking up the pieces. See, that's where Saul's at. Saul is at a point where his problem was with one song about one man. Saul has killed his thousands. David his tens of thousands. And the envy and jealousy of Saul begins to corrupt everything about him. And friends, I want you to hear this this morning. If one song, if one jealous moment was enough to derail Saul, it's enough to derail you. If one jealous moment as a church, well, the church up the street, they've got more people, less people, better preaching, better seats. If that's where it starts, friends, it will consume everything. And so this morning, I want you to see that sin corrupts everything in your life. And this morning you say, Jake, no one knows my sin. I've hid it for years and there are no consequences. Look up here at me. Sin sometimes spreads in your life slowly. And sometimes it will roar through your life like a raging fire. But sin is always spreading. It's always moving in your life. And so this morning I want you to see this. That Saul is on the way to destruction but yet it's slowly going. Second thing I want to show you from this text this morning is once things are corrupted, there are no limits to the evil we can commit. And I didn't say you in that heading. I said we. There is no limit to the evil we can commit. Look what it says in verse 11 after Saul throws this pity party. In verse 11... So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Hittub, and all his father's house, and the priest who were in Nob. And they all came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. He answered and said, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? You and the son of Jesse. In that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day. He literally says, why did you seek God on David's behalf? Why did you feed him? Why did you help him to try to overthrow me? And listen to what Ahimelech says in verse 14. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? Who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? 
Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in his house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all of this, little or much. And the king said, I want you to hear this. This man says, I've not done anything wrong. I prayed on David's behalf for God to speak. He is your most loyal and faithful servant. Why would I think that he is trying to revolt and destroy you? I mean, this is a simple understanding. But listen to how sin will blind you into what is right. In verse 16, the Bible says, And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And so he looks at these soldiers, the people that are closest to him, the people that are most loyal to him, and says, I want you to kill the priests, all of them. And the soldiers say, we're not going that route. We might be sinful. We might not agree with you. But we are not killing the men that God has set aside to pray and to serve Him. And I want you to see this. Because not only was there no proof of what Saul was saying, not only was there no logical explanation to murder someone in this case, Saul didn't just want Ahimelech murdered. He wanted his whole family. Everyone that was there wiped out. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if you were back in the fellowship hall, someone came into church, left their offering, and got mad because their offering got left? And said, I want you to murder not only the people in the front of the church, but the people back there in the fellowship hall. That makes no sense. But yet Saul's sin had corrupted everything about him. And friends, this morning, it starts with one sin in your life. It starts with one compromising decision. And when God convicts you and convicts me, if we will not let him have his way, it will spread to everything. But I want to show you the third thing this morning. There will always be people who will help you sin. There will always be people who will help you sin. Look what it says in verse 18 and 19. Starting in verse 18 it says, And the king said to Dueg, You turn and kill the priests. So Dueg the Edomite turned and struck the priests. And killed on that day 85 men. 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of priests, he struck with the edge of the sword. Both men and women. Children and nursing infants. Oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. I want you to think about this. He literally sent this man into the church nursery 
to execute them because of his hatred and jealousy of David. You see, friends, in a moment like this, sin has taken them farther than they wanted to go. And it has become unexplainable. You say, Jake, that'll never happen to me. My sin is under control. My sin is handled. I have got a control over it. I go to the right meetings. I've got the right sponsors. I've got the right accountability. But friends, unless you have asked for forgiveness for that specific sin, it is still spreading. You say, Jake, you're telling me i got to ask forgiveness for my unforgiveness towards you? Absolutely. The Lord has been dealing with me about unforgiveness. If you probably can't tell that since I preach about it every single week. And the Lord recently was dealing with me and, and it was this simple principle that the Lord had to really teach me. I don't have to forgive people. I get to forgive people. And when the Lord started dealing with me that, I absolutely was not on board. I don't care. If you're here today and you say that you like to forgive people, you are a liar. It's just as simple because all of us in our flesh want to hold a grudge. We want to be vindicated. And we love to tell people about how wrong we've been. Can I get an amen? All right, three of you are honest. The rest of you are liars. But that's okay. Repent. Um, and the Lord had to start dealing with that, that, Jake, I forgave you. And you get to forgive other people. You get to forgive other people. And so my rationale is, God, I wouldn't have to forgive people if they wouldn't do wrong things. And then the Lord had to deal with me, Jake, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Um, then I justify my sin with the Lord and say, Lord, but they didn't ask me to forgive them. And they didn't tell me that I'd wronged them. And the Lord said what? Forgive them anyway. And so it's something I've been struggling with and the Lord's been dealing with me about. Because why? I don't want my unforgiveness toward one person to end up being that I resent my children. That I've got unforgiveness to my wife. That I've got unforgiveness to you. Because you know what happens? One day you wake up and you have a relationship with no one. Even the people you love. But it all started way back then. And so this morning I want you to see that not only does sin corrupt, once sin does corrupt, there are no limits. But there will always be people that will be willing to help you sin. Did you notice that Saul didn't do the murdering? But Saul found someone to murder them for him. And it's amazing, isn't it? How when you're having that really bad day and someone has really ticked you off and you're looking to vent to somebody that Satan always brings someone into your life that would love to listen. Did you ever notice that when you're already having a terrible day and you've had trouble at home or you've had trouble at work? That seems like something happens and it just blows up. I want to make something very clear this morning. Satan is not God. Satan is not all places at all times. Satan does not know all things like God does. And Satan is not all powerful. But Satan does know what you're doing. He did take a third of the angels of heaven with him. 
And so it is no accident that when God knows that you struggle with gossip, that He will bring people into your life that will love to say, well, I would love to hear about it. You need to be praying that God would send people in your life that when you get ready to gossip, they look at you and say, get behind me, Satan. Never prayed that way, did you? But I need people in my life that when I start throwing a pity party, need to remind me and say, Jake, you're a blessed man. Jake, God has been good to you. You got to quit looking at the trees and see the what? The forest. But that's not the kind of friends I want God to bring into my life. I want people in my life that agree with me, that think the same way I do. And when I throw an old-fashioned pity party, are the first ones there. And they bring the dessert. But that is not what I need in my life. That's not what you need in your life. And so you need to be praying, God, remove those people from my life that will help me sin. God, remove those people in my life that are going to be the stumbling blocks when I'm weak. That's hard. Because sometimes those will, will be the people that you care about the most. They'll be the people that you like the most. You know why you like them the most? Because they agree with you. But the Bible says that iron sharpeth iron. And so I need people in my life, and you need people in your life, who will not help you sin but will warn you of your sin. And so then I want to show you the last thing this morning, and we're going to be done, is real repentance and brokenness shows that we are right with God. You see, think about this. Saul has ordered the murder of this family, this town, these children, these infants, the livestock, but one of the sons escapes. And listen to what it says in verse 20. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abathar, I knew that day when Deeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. You see, David was not result, was not the reason that Saul sinned. But yet Saul did kill them because of David. David did stop there. David did tell a lie about the situation. But I think what we see here in David's heart is that David was wanting this person to know and God to know that if he had done anything wrong, that he had recognized it. And that's why the Bible tells us, and that's why we tell you, that the beginning of getting right with God is that you must what? Admit that you are a sinner. You have to be willing under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Not the convicting power of a sermon, of a preacher, of a church. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God that says, Lord, I am a sinner. And if you're already saved, that Lord, I have got this in my life. It shouldn't be there. 
Lord, I've got this pride. I've got this lust. I've got this hatred. I've got this drunkenness. I've got this whatever it is. Lord, and it's wrong. It's sin. And I am admitting to you today, God. It's where it starts. That's what David did. But friends, just admitting that you're broken, just admitting that you're a sinner, is not repentance. It's not salvation. David acknowledges this fact, but then he says what? Stay with me. His actions prove his sincerity. And that's why the Bible tells us that we must repent of our sins. We admit that we are sinners. But yet then we recognize that I am going to turn away from my sinfulness. I'm going to turn away from my selfishness. And I am going to turn to Jesus Christ. Because He died for me. Because He was buried for me. Because He rose to forgive me of my sins. And I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that He is. And so Lord, I am admitting that I am a sinner. I am turning to You as the Lord and Savior of my life to forgive me of all of my sins. And then I confess, Lord, that You are my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and life and forgive me. The Bible says that God will save you from your sin. But it's that. It's that recognizing that, God, I am genuinely broken over my sin and my wickedness, and I am turning to You. And friends, this morning, if you're here today and you're lost, you're trusting in a pastor, you're trusting in a baptism, you're trusting in a, in a priest, you're trusting in a confessional, you're trusting in the Lord's Supper, none of that is enough. It is Jesus and Jesus Christ alone that can forgive you of your sins. I cannot for, you can confess your sins to me, I can sprinkle water on you, I can dunk you, but I cannot forgive you. There is only one who can forgive you. The one and only one is Jesus Christ. He is the one that died for you and for me. But friends, I want to show you something this morning. I believe the greatest danger that this church faces and every Christian faces is when we will not confess our specific sins to God. It's easy to lay your head on the pillow at night and say, Lord, Forgive me of all my sins and failures. Lord, you know I'm a broken mess. You know I'm, you know I'm a train wreck. Lord, thank you for loving me. Everybody can do that. But I'm telling you where it gets hard is when you get along with God and you say, Lord, I want you to show me the sins that I've struggled with today. And the Spirit of God begins to say, why did you get, why did you get angry and scream at your spouse? Why did you tell that lie at work? Why did you lust over this person? It's in those moments. Because it's in those moments that we have to say, God, not only forgive me, but keep me from that. Before I gave my heart and life to the Lord, I struggled with a lot of things. Females were one of them. Not that you're bossy. That's not what I'm saying, okay? So for me, I know not to go to a beach where people are not wearing clothes. Your sin might be completely different than that. You might be able to go to a beach and have a, no problems and no, no nothing. But for me, I'm not going. Because I know that even though I'm forgiven, even though I'm saved, that that is a struggle for me. You say, well, Jake, I struggle with gossip. Then you need to be praying, God, don't send me into places where I have free time to sit around and just 
gossip. You say, well, Lord, I, I struggle with unforgiveness and, and I, I struggle with hiding all these things deep down. And, and Then you need to be praying. God, help me to, to forgive people. You see, that's when God can begin to work in your life. Not when you just generically say, Jacob, I'm a, or God, I'm a broken mess. God knows you're a broken mess. And He loves you anyway. But God wants to work in your life in such a way that you begin to see victories and forgiveness and hope. That temper that you just cannot get over. That temper that's destroying your marriage. That, that uncontrolled anger that's got you fired from seven jobs. The anger that's caused you to have a division with your children. You've got to get along with God and say, Lord, whatever has caused me to be so angry, God, whatever has caused me to have such wrath, I need you to forgive me. And God, I need you to begin to work in my heart. Change me. See, friends, that's where we're at. That's what Saul wouldn't do. Saul had reached out to God, if you remember. Wanted Samuel to pray for him. But he never would confess his jealousy and hatred for David. And that hatred and jealousy for David spread to every area of his life. The last verse I have for you is one of my favorites from the book of Proverbs chapter 3. And it's not the ones you're thinking from Proverbs chapter 3. But it starts in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and what? Depart from evil. And it goes on in verse 8 and says, There we are. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. There are some of you today that are going through physical pain. There are some of you that are going through emotional pain. There are some of you who go through marital pain. And it is because of sin. And God says if you'll ask forgiveness and you'll turn from that, there will be times of refreshing, the book of Acts says. You say, Jake, well, you just don't know what it's like to live with my spouse. Jake, you just don't know what it's like to deal with the people I work with. Jake, you don't know how I was hurt as a child. Jake, you don't know the, the baggage that I carry. You are right. But God knows every specific thing. And He said He'll forgive you. God says that He can heal you. God says that He can deliver you. But it's going to start with you getting alone with God and saying, Lord, I want you to search me. Lord, I want you to search the areas of my life that have been hidden off. Lord, I want you to convict me of those areas of my life that I have made excuses for. And God, I want you to work for your glory. And this is the reason. Because God will forgive you now before you have to deal with the heartache and consequences of it later. I'm thankful that God forgives us in the middle of our messes. I'm glad that, that it don't matter what you go through, you can, you, can, you can make a mess of everything. The world can hate you. The people can abandon you. And God says, if you'll ask, I'll forgive you right there. But I'm glad that God gives us warnings as we're headed that direction and says, you know what? I'll forgive you before you get there. I'll get there before you ruin your marriage. I'll get there before you ruin your reputation. I'll get there. I'll forgive you before you destroy the church. I'll, I'll forgive you here. That's my prayer for you this morning. Is that today you'd get along with God. And say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, show me.
that today can be different than it has before. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads right now. You say, Jake, I've done a lot of bad things. I just don't think that God can forgive someone like me. This morning, if you are here and you recognize that you're a sinner, God is convicting you. He is showing you that. I can't show you that. You can't show you that. The Spirit of God convicts. But I want you to know something. If He convicts you, He can save you. And so today, if you're here and you're under conviction, the Bible teaches us very plainly that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again to take your punishment for sin. You're saying, Jake, I believe that. Then if you're willing to admit that you're a sinner to the Holy Spirit, believe that Jesus is who the Bible says He is, right now you can confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Call upon Him and the Bible says He will save you. It could be something as simple as this. Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Father, I ask that you would forgive me. And that Jesus would come into my heart and life as the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. If you'll confess and believe, He'll save you this morning. And so if that's something you're struggling with or that God's dealing with you, I'll be standing right down here in the front. And I'd love to talk to you. But my challenge to you, Ten Mile Baptist Church, is today, are you willing to get along with God and say, Lord, I, I want you to show me the specifics. The specific sins that are destroying my life. Even if I don't know that it's rotting from the inside out. Because He will. God will do that in your life today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Jake, I've got a son or daughter that was raised in church, but, but they've hardened their hearts to the things of God. They've ran from God. Maybe it's a marriage issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's just you and God and the sin in your life. Today can be that day. But I want to give you one last thing with every head bowed and every eye closed. Is the Bible is full of people who God dealt with and they chose to harden their hearts. And today, if the Spirit of God is convicting you and you refuse Him, He will let you. That's why the book of Acts says, do not resist the Holy Spirit like your fathers and your forefathers did. Because friends, some of you are saying no to God. Hardening your heart. And God will harden it even more. But today, it can be a day of joy, restoration, and hope through the victory of Jesus Christ.